This is a Care Chronicles podcast episode with Chloe Ulmer. This show was previously known as the Music Therapy Chronicles. At the end of the day, it's like, you don't have to, we don't have to prove ourselves that, that much all the time. I, you know, we can command respect without having to, to share three research articles in two minutes, you know, um, which is a really hard thing that I'm working on because I'm not good at it either. But um, I think that's something that, you know, would be beneficial if we could just be like, no, the work I'm doing is important. I can explain it to you if you would like. You're listening to The Care Chronicles, a podcast about self-care, healthcare, and everything in between. I'm your host, Trisha Coyote. I'm a board-certified music therapist, and I'm currently pursuing my master's degree in mental health counseling. I'm also a creative, multi-passionate, nature-loving, many-water-sign forever student. Join me and guests on the show as we explore how we take care of ourselves and each other. Welcome or welcome back to the Care Chronicles, previously known as the Music Therapy Chronicles. You guys have been so supportive about this shift and I am already feeling so much momentum and excitement for what is to come as we expand the types of conversations we're having here on the show. So thank you so much for supporting this show, for supporting the Care Chronicles, and everything that's in store. If you are listening to this episode in real time when it comes out on February 15th, then you are in luck because our best-selling pod course, Personal Development is Professional Development, is currently on sale. MTPC is doing a vault sale, which means that the courses that are currently on sale, they're discounted, um, will be going into the vault on February 25th. So until then, they are each $20 off. And once they go into the vault on the 25th, these pod courses will be no longer available unless we decide to revamp them and take them out of the vault. So this is your last chance to get our pod course, Personal Development is Professional Development. It is $20 off. It is pre-approved for eight CMTE credits and it's our best-selling pod course. I, I don't know how else to say that. Of all the pod courses I've created, this is the one that people seem to have the most interest in and they get a lot of value out of it. So you can check it out in our shop at care-chronicles.com or you can go directly to the MTPC shop at mtpodcastcollective.com. There's also one other pod course currently on sale. It is from the show Navigating Adulthood and IDD, and it is entitled 
neurodiversity and disability culture in our music therapy practice with adults with IDD. So that one is available also for $20 off and for five CMTE credits. So between the two courses, you can get 13 CMTEs for the price of $140. Yeah, not a bad deal. So definitely check those out. Um, Links will, of course, be in the show notes and the sale will go until the 25th when the courses will enter the vault. All right. So let's talk about today's guest. Today I'm talking to Chloe Ulmer, who is a new music therapist working in the mental health field in a hospital. She tells us all about that in today's show. We also discuss what it's like working in the mental health field, how we navigate that with our own mental health needs, how we advocate within um, the hospital setting as well as with legislation Um, I know where I live, there's currently a bill being discussed and Chloe talks about the bill being discussed in Ohio. So we talk about all that and more. I got a little meta in this episode and I'm still chewing on this idea of removing ourselves from the music and giving music all the credit for what we do in our work. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, listen to the episode to get a feel for that. If you're like, oh my gosh, that makes a lot of sense to me, I would love to hear your thoughts. Reach out to me. Our social media handles have changed along with the show. Um, So you can find us at care-chronicles or care underscore chronicles on all the platforms. All right, enough rambling from me. Let's get into this conversation with Chloe. All right, Chloe, welcome to the newly named Care Chronicles. How are you? Uh, I'm doing good. I uh, This is my first time on a podcast, so I'll try not to ramble too much, <laughs> but um, I'm excited. Yeah. Good. I always like to remind the guests that this is your episode and anything you have to say, someone out there needs to hear. So if you're feeling like a tangent coming on, I say explore <laughs> it. We'll go for it. <laughs> All right, I'll take <laughs> I'll take the challenge. <laughs> cool. So to start us off, can you tell the listeners a bit about yourself? Yeah. So um, I am about in the middle of my first year as a MTBC. Um, I uh, I got my certificate like yeah at the end of last summer. So getting close to a year there. Um, Right now, I'm working at a uh, behavioral health hospital um, in Ohio, Central Ohio. And uh, even though I don't like that term, I like mental health (laughs) Mm. better than behavioral health. But um, that's what it's called. But yeah, I also I'm in the middle of my master's degree. I'm working on my thesis right now um, at Ohio University. So getting that all figured out and working full time and moving and doing all the fun things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It feels like life comes in waves where it happens all at once sometimes. 
It really does. <laughs> yeah. I'm with you on that mental health versus behavioral health thing, because I primarily work with that community of people as well. Um, and it's interesting to see all of the language shift in general, because for so long, things were focused on behaviors. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We see that a lot with ABA and this is not a diss at ABA, just that for a long time, behaviors were the real focus. And now we're saying, well, what is the root of the problem and changing that to a more mental health focus, mental health language. Uh, I'm yeah. totally with you, with you for that. Yeah. Especially because like different approaches are coming into those like used to be predominantly behavioral hospitals or, or companies or anything like that. Like now um, I know myself, I'm a little bit more um, humanistic and holistic um, in, in my, you know, theology. And I know a lot of other counselors that are at the hospital, like they are into DBT or RBT and it's, you know, just, there's always different, different ideas flowing around. So, yeah. 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 But it's, uh, it's definitely, it's definitely interesting working at a hospital though. <laughs> I, um, uh, unfortunately how, how stuff worked out with my, uh, practicums when I was in school and with my internship, like they were great. I loved, I loved them all, but I didn't get hospital experience. Mm. A big part of that was probably because COVID happened <laughs> right yeah. when I was getting into internship. And so it was like, ah, just kind of find where you can go kind of thing. Um, but I am starting to get used to how, you know, stuff works in the hospital and different responsibilities that different people have um, and all, all the little nuances of it that aren't, you know, common knowledge when you, when you first start. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So paint this picture for us because I did my internship at a state hospital. So is it kind of like that or is it outpatient? Is it more of a medical hospital? Like, what do you mean by that? Yeah. It, um, I believe that it's privately owned, but, um, we are an acute inpatient hospital. So right. we have about, our, our census isn't full right now, but it's about like an 80 bed hospital, um, with, uh, currently three different units open right now, um, all different levels of, of acuity. And then we have a small outpatient program that we just started. That's cool. Um, so that is, that is really interesting. Um, it's intensive outpatient. So it's three hours for three days out of the week that um, patients can come in, you know, check in with the hospital and then go back to their lives and figure, figure stuff out there. So it's, it's really interesting. And um, the person who is starting our, our IOP program is, is really great. So I'm looking forward to, to working with her a little bit more on that. Yeah. Expanding it. <laughs> Totally. And that's great that they want you involved in new things like that. And that's also a lot for you to juggle, especially as a new music therapist of all those different levels of support needs and like fitting yourself into, I know when I was at the state hospital, each 
unit had, you know, like their set of nurses and support staff. And you kind of had to join that microcosm for the 60 minutes you're there. And then you move on to the next one. And so you kind of have to, in a lot of ways, it's like my experience as a traveling music therapist, or you kind of got to chameleon yourself into wherever you're at. Definitely. Definitely. Like, and our, um, our units are kind of divided a little bit into, um, we're moving away from it, but it is kind of a like geriatric unit, a um, dual diagnosis unit and a highly acute unit. And so depending on where you go, um, different levels of what you can do in therapy is also, you know, something you have to think about. And And like you said, like the staff changes. So normally (laughs) this nurse is over here and now today they're over there. And, you know, it kind of, uh, it's, it is a lot to get your head around, um, especially with our department um, because we have, we're called a recreational therapy department there. Yep. Yeah. Which very common. I don't like, but, (laughs) but yeah, it's, you know, Medicaid and stuff have to have to make things with that for right now. But, um, but yeah, we do two groups on every unit, um, on the weekdays and then on three weekend days, be Saturday, Sunday, Monday, we do one group per unit. Um, and then I also do an outpatient group on Mondays. So it's, it's a lot and, uh, you know, plus assessments and doing notes for everybody in the hospital. Cause we have to mm. take notes on the people that don't attend group as well. Yeah. It, you know, it does get to be a lot, <laughs> but, yeah. um, thankfully, you know, people are understanding of, you know, I, I have to do group now because I can't do it a different time. And we're getting more into, um, following a a set schedule now, which I really appreciate. Yeah. Little disorganized there for a while, but we're getting back into it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and you are obviously still relatively new to their system. So like you're trying to figure out your things and, you know, something inevitably comes up where someone, you know, they need something after lunch instead of before lunch and you have to move other things around. And like you were saying with that documentation, I remember when I was an undergrad, I like walked into the computer lab in the music room and a bunch of the upperclassmen were doing their stuff. And one of them was like, I am becoming a music therapist so I can do paperwork all the time. Like, you know, the most (laughs) sarcastic voice ever. And I was like, oh my gosh, is that my future? And in so many ways, yes, it is. (laughs) And like, that's the reality of it, but it's also so important, um, to document those things. And it can be so hard to document, like when real magic happens in a session, it can be like, I don't know, like what happened to lead up to this, but this happened and it was great. And I don't know if I can put into words why it was great. (laughs) Or even like outside a session, you know, when, when crisis happens or, or something like that. Um, I had one this past week where, uh, uh, patient was in crisis and the music therapist and country roads was the only thing that would get through to them (laughs) to let them be cooperative um so 
I was I was up there for a, a good chunk of time, you know, helping helping out with that. So it's it's definitely something that, you know, I feel like documentation is needed, especially with the whole advocacy um, in Ohio going on right now of us, you know, continuing to push for licensure and and um, and registration and all that kind of stuff uh, in our state. So it's really, <laughs> it's really important, I think, and helpful when I try to talk to the other social workers or like my boss or, or anything and be like, well, we have to do it this way because this is going on or we're helping patients this way or blah, blah, blah. blah. We should be involved in this because of this, you know, it's easier to show somebody something and have them actually look at it than just take your word for it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. but yeah, hopefully, um, our bill, um, in Ohio, we've been trying to get licensure for like a decade now. <laughs> um, and it just always ended up on the backside of everything. You know, it would, it would go through one part of the, of the whole legality system and then not make it to the other half before it had to get rewritten and, and everything. So we're hoping uh, this past December, it got as far as it has before. So we're hoping within like next two years, we might see some change there, um, which will be really great. And it's also helpful at the hospital too, to be like, hey, well, this is probably gonna change soon. So <laughs> we should make these changes now instead of when we have to. Yeah. Um, it helps a little bit with the the reasoning for all of that as well. Um, but I really do love love working at a hospital. I always thought I would. And um, when I got the job, I was like, I've never worked somewhere like this before, but I think I'm going to like it. So <laughs> let's just take the plunge. And it turns out I really do like it. So I'm, I'm very happy about that. Um, but it is interesting um, to work in a mental health setting when you also struggle with mental health um, because there's a little bit, at least for me, there's a little bit of, of fear of stigma there of, um, you know, being really open with your coworkers about it, especially, um, yeah. you know, not saying like, Hey, I need to chill for a second, or I need to take a breather. Um, using those phrases instead of being like, my anxiety is really acting up right now, or mm. <laughs> I'm feeling very depressed, <laughs> you know, uh, saying something a little bit more casual than that um, is usually what I end up tending to do because I don't want them to think like I'm not capable of doing my job, which mm. is really rough <laughs> to when you actually think about it. Um, because, I mean, people become doctors and nurses who have, you know, diabetes or, um, yeah. you know, uh, some other <laughs> physical problem. And I don't know if they ever think about it, but if you ever are like working at a hospital and then like, 
well, my, what if I ever have to go to the hospital? This is really scary. They can't ever know if I have to go and get work done. You know, it's um, that whole trust thing, I think, is still a big problem when when working in mental health. It's still like a, a leap of faith <laughs> to, yeah. to tell somebody, oh, I need to take my pill right now, <laughs> you know? And um, I, I've been asked before, you know, if that makes it harder for, for me to take care of myself working with, with people who have similar struggles. Um, but for me, it actually makes it easier. I, I don't know if that's just a me thing because I really like it. So it gives me some fulfillment or if it's like, well, I have a I have a commonality with my patients, so I can have a stronger rapport with them. I, you know, I feel like I understand their needs a little bit better um, than than I might if I if I hadn't experienced some of my own stuff before. Um, not to say that you have to, you know, have <laughs> have mental health struggles to work in mental health or anything. I'm sure there are many ther- great therapists <laughs> that have wonderful, wonderful brains that don't have wrong chemistry going on inside them. But, (laughs) but it's, you know, different. I think it, it can help in different ways, you know, different strengths with, with all of that. Um, But it's, yeah, working at the hospital has been very interesting. It's been really cool. uh, Like six months now. (laughs) I've learned a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Well, so what I kept thinking when you were saying that um, was that sometimes we need the reminder that we are humans working with humans. Mm-hmm. We are not robots working with humans. And also, I like, I mean, that, you know, that um, therapeutic relationship is human to human, but also laterally our coworkers, we are humans working alongside humans. And it yeah. is this, you know, that um, balance of like, how close are you with these people? Can you like say openly, you know, this is really what I'm experiencing right now. Or are you just needing to state your needs where like, I need this, no explanation. And that's okay too. Uh, But finding like where your supports lie. And I also know from experience that sometimes therapeutic disclosure so that you're client can empathize with you or like they see the reflection of themselves um I know especially I work mostly in schools and that modeling is really hard a lot of the times the students don't see the staff openly say like I'm feeling anxious or like I'm really frustrated about the situation because it's our job to be calm cool collected all the time so they're never getting that experience of what a positive version of those not so great big emotions are. I feel like I'm being kind of vague. So they don't always see like anger in a way that is not destructive. They don't always see anxiety in a state that is not completely consuming. Um, So to be able to model those things and say like, "This this is how I experience it and this is how I handle it can be really important in therapeutic process too, if you've built that relationship. I think, yeah, I think that that's very valid. I, I mean, I, 
am only up on the unit for an hour at a time uh, until I have to go back up to do documentation or or put stuff in files. Um, and same with social workers that do groups or um, the mental health technicians that do groups. It's you know allotted into this little bit of time and outside of that, um, patients are with other patients or the nursing staff or um, the uh, the technical workers and and it's really interesting. I never really thought, but you know, them modeling like, well, I I want to help you out really really badly, but right now I am just very overwhelmed and I need to step back and take a deep breath before I can do this again. Would be so helpful, I think, <laughs> because those are the things we talk about in in sessions like when you are feeling this way what is going to help you get through that feeling mm -hmm. while still being in control of yourself and then we just kind of drop it and <laughs> go back to old habits or yeah back to running around stressed and it's like it feels ingenuine when you do it that way yes yeah. i I literally did that with a student, I think last week, he, um, he goes into fight or flight so easily. And so of course, when he's there, I want to help him, you know, work through it and get his work done and do what he needs to do. But, you know, he's in fight or flight. He's not able to conceptualize what yeah. I'm saying. Uh, and so at one point we were like 20 minutes in and I'm just sitting with him trying to be like, look, like, what do we need? How can we work through it? Blah, blah, blah. And finally I was like, you know, I'm feeling kind of anxious because I'm trying so hard and I feel like it's not working. So I'm going to take a step back and I'll be over here when you need me. And he looked up, he finally looked up at me and was like, made that connect. He's like, well, you're what? <laughs> like, you're, you know, it was like that you're a human being moment and you have yeah. feelings. And um, yeah, so that is really powerful when, when you're able to use it. Um, yeah. in the right way because of course we know we're you know we don't want to be projecting what we're feeling onto people but yeah yeah anyone listening to this should know that <laughs> yeah <laughs> like within clinical boundaries and everything mm -hmm. but like you said like human to human is very important like that's I feel like we get away from that idea a lot because we're so we're trying to be so technical or clinical um or be taken seriously yeah and it's, you know, sometimes you just need human connection <laughs> mm -hmm. and that opens the gateway for all the other stuff to work on. Right. Yeah. So I, I definitely, I definitely see that. Um, and when you talked about fight or flight, uh, that is actually kind of similar to, um, to what my thesis is about. Um, it's, I. Uh, an exercise in ethics mm -hmm. with music therapy being used in um, what I'm calling an active crisis situation. So when people are experiencing um, a psychotic episode or an aggressive episode, severe depression, you know, like they're actively suicidal, um, maybe even in the middle of an attempt, <laughs> um, because those are things that I've 
all seen at the hospital and I've been a part of some of them, <laughs> you know, uh, because I, I had a different level of rapport with the client or because the music was able to reach them when just talking wasn't getting through. Like you said, when, when somebody's in that, you know, that state of like fight or flight or, um, any other kind of like altered consciousness, uh, it's really hard to penetrate that. And, mm -hmm. um, the whole idea I'm kind of ruminating with about it is, well, music can penetrate that. So are we, are we doing that? <laughs> are we, uh, should we be doing that? Like, do we have the training for it? Um, is you know is it something that when we go to somebody who's having one of those altered state moments are we trying to talk to them or are we trying to use music to connect with them um because a lot of times I've seen um, myself included music therapists try to connect with somebody just verbally instead of trying to get through them in the way that we're trained to. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and it's, I don't know, it's an interesting idea. Um, I, I think so I I'm playing with that and it's, uh, I'm, I'm very proud because it, it has sparked some ideas in my professors as well. Um, where, uh, one of my professors, um, um, she actually, uh, her name's Ciara. Um, she has started coining a term called uh, triage music therapy. Um, she was saying that, you know, working and fig figuring all this stuff out, she kind of looked back at her, at her um, contracts that she'd made with other facilities. And she'd always put like two hours of free time for the music therapist to go where they're needed mm. to go where there's a crisis or where somebody just needs them to help with procedural support or or um or anything else that might come up and she's like now that we're talking about this that's what it is <laughs> it's like yeah it's, it's doing triage work <laughs> and um i think that makes a lot of sense and um I think that's something that uh, music therapists specifically might be um, might equipped be is what's coming to mind. Yeah, equipped, equipped. Yeah. There we go. That's the right word. Might be equipped for just because we know that music um, touches, you know, all parts of the brain. It's one of the very few things that does that, and um, we know with dementia patients specifically music is often one of the last things to go um when the memory starts to fail and so when you're thinking about you know the brain not communicating right with itself you know if music's the thing that can penetrate that for a lot of people maybe we should be using that more <laughs> mm. or, or figuring out how to use that more um so I, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in seeing where, where the idea takes me. <laughs> yeah. I, um, 
I, it's it's going to be a, a survey of music therapists just to see if if other people are experiencing the same things, like if they're yeah. also getting involved in crisis situations, you know, what they're doing, um, how they feel about it. And are kind of just going from there because it um, this is obviously just my experience and some of the other music therapists that I've talked to. So see, making sure that, you know, this is a thing that's happening. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not just like a weird thing that happens in my little niche of people that I know. <laughs> not at all. I, I have two thoughts. So I'm going to try to remember both of them. I have recently <laughs> moved into kind of this new position. And when I was talking with my um, directors, they were trying to figure out like how to use me and how to use my skills and, you know, finding a way that like worked to benefit everyone instead of um, creating like a very structured schedule. I, I'll say this. Originally, they were looking to create a very structured schedule. And I said, well, it'd be great to have some of that, you know, what you're saying is triage time. Um and then I, I don't remember where I heard another music therapist say this, but somewhere someone said, when wherever we're working, when something is happening and everyone else runs away or everything else has already been tried, we are the ones that walk toward the problem. So that's what I told my directors. And I was like, so I need time to be able to walk towards those problems and to help solve them. So hundred percent people are doing that. I also have a friend who is an emergency room music therapist, which to my understanding is not a very common thing. Um, anyone listening to this, feel free to correct me. I don't know what every <laughs> emergency room does, but, and so that's what she does all the time. She's in the emergency room. She's constantly reacting, responding to whatever's coming in. Um, so yeah, her experience would be really cool on your survey. I love yeah. Yeah. She listens to this. <laughs> Hey, get in touch with me. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think that is that is really cool. And and I was thinking um, too, you know, hearkening back to the beginning of of music therapy as as a profession in the U.S. Mm. Um, happening, you know, right after World War II with um, the the VA hospitals and everything. Um, I mean, it see, and it's pure speculation, but it seems like there's may have been a correlation with, with needing music in the hospital and shell shock or PTSD. Um, you know, oh, that patient won't stop screaming in their bed. Call the music person to come over here and try to soothe them. Um, in my in my imagination, that's what I see happening <laughs> back yeah. in, back in the day. So it's. I feel like it's something that we've always just kind of taken for granted and haven't, you know, haven't addressed head on too much, mm. um, at least in my experience. I don't know. Other people might be like, this is old news, but <laughs> I mean, I don't I so here's what I'm thinking. I it bugs me so much. It gets under my skin when people are like, you know, so and so needs something. Will you just play some music to calm them down? I hate yeah. that. It like, but it's exactly what we're doing. <laughs> it's exactly what we're doing. And we can say like, this is what's happening neurologically. This is what I'm doing musically. This is what's happening biologically. This is how I'm affecting their respiratory system. Like we, we yeah. know that and we can, can um, intellectualize all those things yeah. because we're trained to do that. But at the core, like, we just play some music to calm this person down. 
so it's it's this catch 22 where like it's not it's not new because we know the miracles that music can create but it is new because in order to take this information and to like synthesize and analyze it and put it into intellectual terms so that when someone says that to me I can say well yes and here's how I'm gonna do it yeah yeah (laughs) yeah because it is you're right because that is what we do a lot yeah and you know or the other day um I had a group um, on our dual diagnosis unit and they were like, we're just really bored. (laughs) We're really bored. And um, they were like, we want something fast. You know, a couple of the patients have um, ADHD that were in that group, which um, in my experience, uh, fast relaxation works better for people Mm -hmm. who have ADHD than slow relaxation. So we, you know, we jammed to a lot of songs and had, you know, a fast, you know, energetic group and, and everything. And it was still therapy (laughs) because it's what, you know, it's what they needed in that moment. And they were communicating their needs and they were discussing what it meant and they were doing all these things. Um, They were just doing it in a way that was fun. Yeah. And, um, I think you're right. Like sometimes we, we just, we play music. That's what we do. Um, but (laughs) there's nothing wrong with that either. Yes. (laughs) Like it's not, um, I feel like, um, a lot of times if I say that, like, cause I have that same reaction where I hate it when people are like, Oh, just do that. I need to, I need to know what their triggers are. I need to know what kind of music they like. I need to know all these things, you know? Um, and <laughs> at the end of the day, it's like, you don't have to, we don't have to prove ourselves that, that mm-hmm. much all the time. Mm-hmm. I, you know, we can command respect without having to, to share three research articles <laughs> in two minutes. Yes. You know, um, which is a really hard thing that I'm working on because I'm not good at it either. But um, I think that's something that, you know, would be beneficial if we could just be like, no, the work I'm doing is important. I can explain it to you if you would like. (laughs) Um, But it I don't uh, for other other professions, you know, in the moment. I haven't seen social workers have to do that or counselors, you know, um, nurses or anything like that. And you can, and it's helpful. Like communication is great. Um, but I think, I don't know, in my experience, it's, it feels like sometimes when I'm oversharing, Mm. um, to try to prove myself, it, just kind of makes people roll their eyes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and so it would when I reflect on it, it's like, well, it would have been better to just do it. And then when I have to advocate because something is wrong or I, you know, want to start a new program or I want to do this, then I can bring all that stuff in. Mm. But when I'm just doing my job, I just have to do my job. 
and have people trust me. And then if, if things go sideways, then I can address it, you know, Mm. doesn't always have to be upfront. Um, but that's, that's a whole other thing that's going to take 10 years or 20 to (laughs) get better at, I'm sure. And this goes along with being able to model and be vulnerable. And I feel like the more time I have as a clinician, the more comfortable I am being vulnerable and exposed in those ways where I no longer think is the staff member who is watching me do this thing thinking, oh my gosh, Trisha has no idea what she's doing when clearly I'm doing it in a very important way. Um, (laughs) I remember when I was in my internship, my supervisor like was introducing me to a group and she was like, this is my my associate Trisha and you know I was kind of like I'm confused like why are you calling me your associate like she was coming up with all these really weird words and afterwards she was like well I was trying to get their attention to see if they'd be like why is she calling this new lady all these strange words you know um so being comfortable enough in my clinical skin to say I'm going to do some silly things and I'm doing them with intention and it doesn't matter if the other professionals in the room know I'm doing them intentionally or not because I know I am and I see that they're working another thought I had while you were speaking and this might be kind of meta so let me know if I'm not explaining (laughs) it well so we're music therapists um we as a collective I think kind of identify pretty heavily with our work we are also not the music we are the vessel that the music comes through. And it takes a lot of training and musicianship skills and practice to be able to be a good vessel, right? So we put in the work, but the music is what does the work. So is that why we constantly have to justify our existence? Because we're actually not doing anything. The music is doing all the work and we're just the vessel to get it through. And then we feel like, well, I haven't done anything. So now I need to put all this research and stuff out in the open. Oh my gosh. That is very meta, but that makes a lot of sense. (laughs) Good. I'm glad I explained it well. Cause you're talking like, oh my God, like I I don't, (laughs) my existence doesn't matter. As long as music's there, it doesn't matter. Um, But we do matter. We're the vessel to get the music out. But yeah, I'm going to take that with me this week. Every time I want to justify myself and I'm just going to say like, oh, it wasn't me. It was just the music. Yeah, how, I'm gonna see how that feels. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because it is like it's it's the tool that we use, right? Because we have we do all the you know psychoanalytic DBT, like we do all the things that we know about <laughs> and everything. But the thing that's different is like we use a tool to do it, and the tool is is that music. And I never thought of it that way, but that makes sense. Like since we're we take a bit of a step back you know we feel the need to to project that you know a little bit makes sense yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. and I like circling back to advocacy oh my gosh it is the part of my job I I like the least (laughs) that might be why I have this opinion too (laughs) um I I will admit my bias (laughs) because I hate advocating. I, um, I am, I do it and I wasn't expecting to have to do it as much as I've had to, Mm. um, these past six months. And I have, I have put, I have little post-its in my binder of just different things I want to advocate for, but I'm 
timing it out right and I'm waiting yeah. for the opportunity because I don't want to do it all at once you know um it's like the the new principal that comes into a school and then changes everything it just yes. creates chaos and yes. <laughs> and you don't want that um but it's it's something that is unfortunately necessary um so it's important that we we have all these answers but you know it it is okay to be like no my job is valid and i'm 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 secure in that <laughs> yeah um that's uh with our iop program i um i am working with that coordinator and i told her i was cuz legally i wouldn't even have to do documentation for them right but i told her i was like well ethically i do so I have to do session notes, I have to do assessments, and I should be involved in the treatment team. And she was like, okay, yeah, we can do that. I was like, great, because <laughs> all of that needs to happen. And I'm happy that it's happening here. And then I can start trying to move the rest of the hospital into that. Yeah, <laughs> that direction. Because um, we do assessments, we do session notes you know for everybody um but unfortunately we're not part of the treatment team in the acute units and it's um it's something that you know I feel very strongly that we need to be yeah um but it is going to take a little bit of time (laughs) to make that happen and um I I know that because I already had a little bit of a battle <laughs> so um it's you know I'm I'm learning to you know compromise take the wins when you can and then in a couple more months bring it back up and you know just do it slowly like that um which is very frustrating I <laughs> I definitely empathize with anybody else that is having to do that um but unfortunately it's probably a lot of us (laughs) um and that's why I'm you know I'm so excited about like the legal stuff because you know once there's actual legislature some things like have to be done now um so it makes it a lot easier to to convince people oh this isn't just me trying to make you do extra work like this is something that has to happen now um so we'll we'll see where all of that goes. I <laughs> I hope it goes well. Um thankfully my my boss is wonderful and um she has my back and everything even when other staff members don't. So I wasn't expecting that. I was like <laughs> I was expecting to have to, you know, advocate up to my boss more than anybody else, but mm-hmm. um in my situation, I mostly have to advocate to my coworkers. Yeah. My my boss and the higher ups kind of are on board. Yeah, good, good. <laughs> it's it's more of like the people that are sideways of me. Yeah, <laughs> that um, we have to talk and and figure stuff out with. So, well, hopefully, when it's coming from both ends, those people, your colleagues, will yeah, will start. get it from both ends and start. Yeah. internalizing that <laughs> yeah for sure I hope I hope so I I mean 
I have a lot of colleagues that are that are really great and everything. It's, you know, it's just it's weird because like you said, with the whole associate thing, people don't know what to call us. Mm. Um, even after I introduce myself as a music therapist, I have to do that all the time because people yeah. don't know what to call me. Yeah. Um, and in a hospital, I mean, people get hired all the time with staffing and everything. So it's like re-educating new people every month or so. Yeah. Um, and the patients too, uh, bless them. A lot of them call me like <laughs> the music girl or, <laughs> or yeah. something. Um, I did have a patient call me a music therapist without me asking them to. Love and that. I told them, I was like, thank you so much for doing that. <laughs> I don't get that a lot. Thank you. Um, so it's, it's something that's just all around, like, you know, more people need to hear about us and then it'll get easier to say music therapist, you know, cause it's mm -hmm. about the same length as social worker, <laughs> <laughs> but it feels a lot weirder coming off the tongue. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So just needs practice with it, but yeah, yeah, it's a whole thing. I know <laughs> there's lots of us out there fighting the good fight, getting that legislature, getting the advocacy, all doing what we can do in our little corner and it adds up. So, yeah. we'll and, and, and like I said, I mean, having, having mental health struggles, you know, and everything can be really beneficial. Um, but at the same time, that's why I hate the advocacy so much. <laughs> yeah, and that's why it's so hard for me. It's like, ooh, social situations <laughs> and, you know, yeah. conflict. <laughs> it's uh, difficult when you have anxiety, but, um, yeah. but it's, it's not something that is, you know, making it impossible for me to do my job. I'm still doing it. Mm -hmm. It just makes it another hurdle I have to go over, you know, when I do it. It's like an extra little push. <laughs> yeah. But um but I I'm happy that I'm doing it. I <laughs> I I'm very proud of myself for for um getting more comfortable with with all of that assertiveness. Um and that's probably the same for anybody that's starting in a in a new job at a new place, no matter what, no matter what their their brain chemistry is. It, it's probably very similar of just, you know, oh, these are all a bunch of new people. I have to find my way in there and, you know, not make too many big waves right at the beginning, you know, all that stuff. So, yeah, it's, it's a good reminder that you're not alone even if you feel it yeah <laughs> yeah nobody's ever alone <laughs> we're all going through it right <laughs> yes we are definitely yeah I um I I don't know what um else I have to talk about I feel like I've talked a lot I I know this is a podcast but <laughs> Yeah, it would be kind of awkward if we was kind of, silent. Kind of, the, <laughs> kind of the point. Um, but yeah, I ready? Um, I don't know. I, I do you have any any anything else that you wanted to ask or or talk? Do you want to do the rapid fire questions? Sure, we can yeah. do rapid fire. 
Yeah. Right. Unless there's anything you wanted to Therefore add. what you asked for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's All right. Coffee or tea? Ooh, uh, tea, definitely. I, I have a caffeine problem, so no coffee for me, sadly. Hot chocolate a lot of the time. <laughs> yes. Yes. Early bird or night owl? Night owl. I have a very hard time getting up in the morning <laughs> and being at work at eight. <laughs> mm. It's difficult. Yes. Your favorite way to take care for yourself? Yoga and meditation. I, um, I use music as a coping skill still, um, Mm -hmm. but not as often as I used to, Mm -hmm. um, with, I think with the 40 hours a week thing, (laughs) it's kind of, kind of like, Oh, you do that a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Your favorite way to take care of others. That's a hard one. Um, probably acts of service. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, doing the dishes or doing laundry, getting the house together, making it so we can live in harmony. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Something that's currently adding value to your life. My cat. <laughs> yeah. My cat, he's very beautiful. And my fiance told me that I had to mention him. So his name is Al. Hi, Al. (laughs) It's short for Alabaster. He's a very beautiful kitty. um, And he loves to cuddle with me. (laughs) I like when an animal cuddles as well. (laughs) Especially a fluffy one. It's like, yes. Yes. My, My dog Piper is a cuddler. And I thank God every day that (laughs) a cuddly dog (laughs) yeah yeah ours um yeah because al he uh he was a runaway um or not really a runaway he was a he was dropped off at my parents farm um but he's the sweetest cat we have ever met we got very lucky with him (laughs) yeah oh that's wonderful something you would tell your younger self it's all going to be okay. You don't have to worry so much. Yeah, I still need to hear that a lot. <laughs> all right, this one's a bit of a toughie, and it's one of the new ones. Oh, God. Can you please reintroduce yourself without using any words or terms to describe how you take care of others? So nothing like mother, teacher, I'm kind and caring. Can you just introduce who you are as Chloe? <laughs> that is a hard one. You said that's a new one, huh? Yeah. Um, see, now all I'm thinking of are words. That <laughs> yes. Take care of that's the things. challenge. That's why I love this because it's, it, it's I think it's important to... Yeah explore this and it's something that I've done in um like workshops and stuff with people um anyway I'll let you Um, think I'm a songbird I am a puzzler (laughs) um I I'm thoughtful to myself. 
and <laughs> and I'm curious. Well done. <laughs> yeah. That was really hard. Yeah. That needs to be a an annual practice. <laughs> well, I'm hoping that it'll get some people their juices flowing. So thanks for being one of the first people to try that out. <laughs> no problem. No problem. All right. Last question is where can the listeners find you and connect with you? Um, where people can find me and connect with me is, uh, it's difficult. Um, I mostly answer my, um, my school email right now, since I'm doing so much with school. Uh, so that I'm sure Trisha will put it down, but it's, <laughs> um, C U six, four, eight, eight, one, eight at ohio.edu. And that's probably the best way to get, to get in touch with me at the moment. Yeah. I, you know, working on the thesis. I look at that email every day. <laughs> so. yeah. And everyone should look, uh, keep an eye out in their email for a survey from you. Yes. At definitely. some point. Yes. Definitely. I'm, um, I'm hoping to uh, send it out to everybody on the CBMT list. So hopefully it won't, you know, it won't just be a regional thing. It should go to everybody. Um, so if you have time, please do so. It'll just be a few questions um, with options to expand on your thoughts, but it shouldn't take too much of your time. So if you would, that would be very well appreciated. Totally. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, for reaching out and sharing your thoughts and engaging in discussion. This was a really good one. Oh, thanks. Yay. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I had stuff to talk about. <laughs> what a good conversation. I hope you got a lot out of that discussion. I know I definitely did and I will be chewing on these themes for a while, letting them swirl around in my head and making connections and uh, conclusions on them. Definitely keep an eye out for Chloe's survey. I think that will be a really interesting take on what it is we do and being able to kind of synthesize a lot of the work and information that we are experiencing um, and just to see where it goes with her research. So keep an eye out for that. Her email is in the show notes if you would like to reach out to her individually. As always, please subscribe to the show so you don't miss any episodes. Don't forget about the vault sale currently going on at mtpodcastcollective.com. Our pod course, Personal Development is Professional Development, is on sale. You can get $20 off for the eight CMTEs and get credit for basically self-care. <laughs> if you want to just see more about what's inside that pod course, you can find it in our shop or the MTPC shop. 
links to everything are of course in the show notes. Thank you so much for spending your time with me and Chloe today for choosing to be with us. And until next time, take care of yourself and take care of each other. Mm -hmm.